Good morning. My name is Chandra, and I serve here as the youth and young adults pastor, and I'm excited to get to share with you this morning because I have not been here for several weeks. Um, Alongside my role here as the youth and young adults pastor, I also get to serve on the directing staff of Camp Kadish, which is a, a summer camp that exists just a little bit north of Prince Albert at Christopher Lake. And um, I get to serve there every summer for 10 weeks, getting to be a part of the leadership and discipleship of both staff and campers. And I've been able to do that as long as I've been on staff here at Forest Grove. And it has been such a valuable part of our ministry cycles here at Forest Grove and at Camp Kadish. So I've been at camp since the end of June. Um, I have been tuning in to our our morning services on my drive to camp on Sunday mornings. Um, I always lose connection like somewhere in the middle of my drive, but then YouTube brings me back together. So it's always so good to get to join with you from my car on the way to camp. And I'm really thankful to get to be here this morning. Um, I did want to show a couple photos from camp because I can. So um, (laughs) Camp Kadish is very lucky to have a lot of our Forest Grove youth and young adults be a part of our programs during the summer. And it has just been so good to be back together, um, to be running camp pretty much as normal, and to have campers and staff be able to participate in the fullness of camp. We also have a lot of our um, young adults like serving as staff and as significant roles. So we had an intern in our youth and young adults department named Tyler. Um, he's been at camp all summer. He got to speak one week. Our junior high director, Lizzie, she also got to be the speaker one week. Um, This week, Kendrew, our senior high director, is going to be there as a cabin leader. Um, There was one week, I think I counted, I did the calculations, and 67% of our staff members that week were Forest Grove people. So I just feel so honored to get to serve with these young people all summer. Um, We have programs like LAT programs, a work crew program, and campers who just get to come, have fun, dress up, enjoy life with campers, make new memories, make new friends, but also get to encounter Jesus in very real ways. And um, I can confidently say that if you got to see them there, you would be very proud of them and the way that they pursue God love him with their whole hearts, and also pursue pointing campers towards Jesus and what it looks like to live a life with them. So thank you for praying for them, for sending them. We also had such a cool privilege at the end of our very first week of, or sorry, at the end of our first term of LATs to baptize one of our senior high students at camp. His name was Jack, and it just so happened he wanted to get baptized. Kendrew was coming up for a visit, and so Kendrew had the opportunity to baptize Jack at camp. Jack's dad was able to come and join us, and it was just such a beautiful celebration of new life in Christ. So thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for letting me go there and serve there. Um, Continue to pray for camps, for Redberry, for Kadish, for camps around Saskatchewan. As we end off our summers, we have a couple more weeks. I know Kadish has a couple more weeks. Lots of other camps do as well. So I would just encourage you, pray for those, those young people, but also as those young people start coming back into our congregation, ask them, how was camp this summer? What did God teach you? Um, how are you different now because you got to be there? That's a really important part of their, in, their, their life at camp doesn't just stop when camp ends, but we, we want it to keep going when they come home. Our camp theme this year at Kadish is Renew. And as we picked this theme um, in the middle of the winter, we gathered some staff together to pray and to just um, listen to God together. And it it was just astounding to us how many of us started to hear words that started with the word re, 
revive, reinvigorate, re-engage, like return. Like there was just all these re-words that were kind of coming to heart and mind for us. And we realized that there was just a deep longing in us to come back to something, but in a new way. That we wanted to return to what camp had been pre-COVID, but recognizing that we're actually different now. And so it has to be different. It has to look different. And we have to be open to the way that God wants to bring us back to something we know and love, but in a new way. And so we chose the word renew. And this morning, I'm going to focus on that word, the idea of renewing or renewal, through looking at one of the Psalms. When we looked at the word renew, we looked at a lot of the definitions that renew has to offer. And there's kind of two that we've been looking at at camp this summer, but I'm going to offer you four this morning to just be um, a little bit aware of like what might actually connect with you. What might be a place, what might be a definition that kind of speaks to your heart and that God kind of is like, hey, this is maybe a type of renewal that you are looking for. These four definitions, to resume after an interruption, I think we can all relate to that in the sense of coming back to the regular rhythms of things after COVID. Renew, to give fresh life or strength to, to replace something broken or worn out or to, an, to extend for a further period of time. This summer at camp, we've been looking at the first two definitions, but primarily that second one. The idea that to be renewed means to have fresh life, fresh strength given to us. And we really believe that that happens when we center ourselves on and are open to the work of Jesus in our lives. Let me pray for us, and then we'll keep going this morning. God, thank you that you're here, that you're with us, and that, God, you want to renew us. God, I just pray that as we look at your word this morning and as we think about this concept, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you touch on areas of our life that, Lord, maybe that you are looking to impress your renewal upon? Would you help us be open to how you may want to do that? God, would your word be life to us this morning as we read it? We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, God has placed many cycles of renewal within the earth um, and within us since the beginning of our creation. We can look at the way that just our earth functions, the seasons, the days, you know, water cycles, sleep cycles, life cycles, and we can see that, that God gives us a picture of the constant need for renewal, something to shift and change so that something else can grow or take its place. I know that for myself, I see those, the need for renewal in my own seasons and my own cycles of life. You know, that I, we have these great programs that run throughout the year, and then I head off to camp for the summer, and then we kick into a big fall, and by November, I'm like, I'm tired, and I want to rest. I want some simplicity. So I take some holidays in December, and I slow down, and I spend time with my family, and I rest, and I rejuvenate, and God fills me with uh, his spirit again in a way that helps me move into the next section of the cycle of my year in a different way. Um, God often just makes us aware of our need for renewal, or we feel it ourselves in the cycles that we walk through, that for for new life to come, that something maybe has to shift or change or end. And sometimes we long for renewal without even knowing that that's what we want. There's sometimes these like signs or symptoms that come out that all of a sudden cause us to stop and pay attention and be like, wait a minute, something's depleted here or something needs to change. Maybe there's a deep longing that feels unfulfilled, or it feels like there's questions or searching that we're really pressing into. Maybe we feel restless, we feel tired, 
we can withdraw, we can feel overwhelmed or stressed or even maybe experience sadness. And all of a sudden we stop and say, what might need to change? Yesterday I got to spend the day with my family. Um, it was my husband's birthday and it was our youngest son's birthday um, the week before. So we had like a birthday celebration yesterday. We went floating down the river on like rafty floaty things. So we spent all day on the river and um, a few moments into probably like the first 20 minutes we were just talking about like, oh, this is so nice. It's just so chill. And our youngest son who just turned 19, he's just moved into full-time working. So he got a job uh, on a roofing crew. Um, so he graduated high school, started roof, roofing. Those are very different rhythms. And he's been having long days, hard days up on the roof. And it was so funny because we were just talking about how awesome it was to just be chill on the, on the river. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is the rest I needed today. <laughs> and it was just like this thing I've never heard him say before because all of a sudden he's in a new cycle, a new rhythm. He's in a new sense of tiredness. And he paid attention to the fact that he needed a new renewal. So what do we do when we find ourselves in these places, when we feel or experience these things? How do we actually renew ourselves? It feels like a concept that feels really nice to think about, but how do we actually step into the types of renewal that God may be leading to us to? How do we actually let God renew our lives wholly and work with him in that? We're going to look at Psalm 30 this morning, where the psalmist David expresses his need for renewal um, and kind of gives us some promptings or some actions that we could follow. <clears throat> this is Psalm 30 from the New Living Translation. It says this, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O oh, Lord, and you kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks forever. Now, as we read this psalm, it almost feels like we're reading a journal entry, where David, in his passion and his emotion, kind of just expressed himself. He's a very honest, passionate human. Um, sometimes the psalms, I struggle with the psalms, because I'm just like, well, you're so dramatic, like just chill, you know? But I think that there's something really beautiful about the humanity that David just like lets us see within him, and the divinity that we see God intervening with. David did not spare anything from the range of human emotion as he writes these songs or these poems. He was not scared to say anything to God or to let others hear him say anything to God. Through his honesty, he points so clearly to many places that felt hopeless, that felt dark, that felt in despair, places that he felt stuck in, places that he may have longed for God's renewal and that he turned towards what God had to offer him. 
I love the contrasts that David offers throughout this, this song, this poem. And even though maybe he doesn't exactly explain how he moves from one side of the contrast to another, we can read between the lines. We can assume that there was some point of interaction between David and God that allowed something that felt dark to turn into something that felt light. These are the contrasts that I picked out from these 12 verses. He talks about moving from illness to health. He would have likely experienced some of the illnesses that would have been plaguing the location at that time, and he would have likely fallen physically ill, had physical weakness, and believed that as he prayed and as he put himself in a posture of asking God for health, that God would have restored him. He talks about the contrast between death and life or the grave and life. The idea that, that there was actually fear of death, of, of ceasing to exist, but that God gave him life. He contrasts God, God's anger, or other translations would say God's disappointment, to God's favor. And feeling, feeling from God the way that he felt like God was feeling towards him. He contrasts weeping and joy. Danger, physical danger, and feeling secure. He contrasts feeling near to God and feeling distant, mourning, grief, sadness, and dancing, joyfulness, celebration. He contrasts silence and praise. In 12 small verses, he encompasses many ranges of experiences, physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And as we read between the lines of those contrasts, we recognize that something had to have happened to make that shift. And as he points us towards praising God for the shift in those contrasts, then we recognize that it was his offering up, opening up to what God had for him and accepting a renewal from the Lord that would have turned that corner. His honesty, his searching, his attentiveness, his desperation left him open for for only what God could do. And so then he shows us some of his responses. Um, There aren't many actions that are actually pointed out in this psalm, but he does give us a few kind of key um, hints towards the ways that he himself responded and left others to respond. He talks a lot about his words. He talks about the questions he asked God, the cries for desperation, the collective prayers that were prayed, and contrasts those with, with singing words of praise or songs of worship. The idea that our words have power when we're searching for renewal. And when we are looking for a cycle in our life to be shifted and changed, that there's something significant about the way we use our words and how we posture ourselves in using our words that God participates in to lead us to renewal. There's a power in the story that we tell ourselves about what God is doing and about our role in renewal. I know that there are times for me when we sing worship songs here on stage or at camp or anywhere where I look at the words of these songs and I'm like, I just can't sing this right now. I don't know if I'm experiencing this or even if I believe some of these things and I wrestle, I wrestle within myself. Is singing, are singing these words disingenuously, is that better than not singing them at all? But yet sometimes I feel invited to sing words that maybe I'm not necessarily experiencing as a way of praying for those things to come to fruition in my life and the lives of those around me. As a declaration, not of what I'm experiencing in the moment, but what I believe that God can do 
for me and for those around me. That there's power when we speak out the goodness of God, the truth of who he is and what he does to ourselves and to others. That that can shift us from death to life, from darkness to life, from mourning to dancing. David also shows us that there has to be a realignment. That at some point, if we want to experience God's renewal, if we want to experience fresh life and fresh strength, then there has to be something within us and outside of us that has to realign with how God has invited us to exist with him. That we need to move from a place of separation from God into a place of connection with God or alignment with God, both inside of us in our hearts and in our actions. We have to ask ourselves, what does what I believe about my situation and about God in my situation and me in my situation actually do? If I'm telling myself a story of despair, will I remain in that story of despair? Is there a way that I can readjust where my heart posture exists and the way that my actions flow out of that to assist God in the renewal that he wants to give me? In this psalm, David acknowledges his state of being. He cries out to God in honesty, and he trusts him to work inside of him and around him, and then praises him for what he sees happen. I believe that as we seek renewal in our lives, that not only does God have a role to play in working within us, but then we have a role to play in responding. For many people, Psalm 23 is a common psalm for them to lean into um, in times of wanting refreshing or renewal. I know that Dolores Dirksen, who used to work here, she read this to me many times in times where she knew I was tired or stressed or needing encouragement. I was always thankful for the way that it would minister to my heart. There's a few verses at the beginning of Psalm 23 that talks about God's desire to be refreshing or renewal to us. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3, says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. I love these words because it talks a lot about what God does, but it also reminds me that I also have a role to play. I can only be guided if I choose to follow I can only rest in a green meadow if I choose to remain in the space that God has has provided for me. I can only allow my strength to be renewed if I'm open to the ways that God may ask me to reorient myself because of that. This summer, I've been in my own kind of personal times with God at camp. I've been reading this book. It's called The Lord is My Courage, and it's by an author called K.J. Ramsey, who is a counselor and also has a deep love for theology. Um, And it's this beautiful synthesis of um, looking at God's words from a theological perspective, but also like a physiological perspective, looking at how the words of God actually affect his body, mind, and soul. And she um, basically takes the Psalm 23 and breaks it down almost word by word or phrase by phrase. And I'd like to read you a small part of it that talks about this idea of God renewing our strength or God refreshing our spirit from Psalm 23. She says this, our life begins and ends with breath. The word human is rooted in the Latin word humus, meaning earth or dirt. In the ancient Genesis story of our origins, we take shape as God stoops down to the dust of the earth to breathe us into being. The first human became a living being. 
called a nefesh in the original language, when God's breath met dirt and soil and dust. We greet this world with breath and give it our last exhalation before we become dirt again. When David sings that God refreshes his soul or renews his soul, he is invoking, evoking this primal image of God bent over his body with breath. Well, the NIV version or the New International Version of the Bible um, says that he refreshes my soul. Another Hebrew, Hebrew scholar named Robert Alter translated as he brings my life that he brings back or he brings me back to life. The NIV translates nefesh as soul, but this scholar says it more accurately means our life breath. Elsewhere, Alter stresses that the Hebrew Bible has no concept of a soul-body duality. That means separating soul and body, urging us to resist reductionistic assumptions about what God is restoring. The image of this verse, Alter says, is of someone who has almost stopped breathing and is revived back to life. The shepherd, God, doesn't just want to refresh or renew your soul. The shepherd seeks you where you are sinking physiologically. The Hebrew word for refresh in Psalm 23.3 is shuv. Translated literally, this phrase means brings me back. Shuv means to return or even repent. And in the context of this verse, the shepherd, God, is the one who repents. The lost or wounded sheep by seeking and returning them back to safety. This verse is asking us to expect to be sought by the shepherd in our stress. It's this beautiful picture of the fact that when we seek God to renew or refresh our soul, that God not only that not God not only wants to give us new life spiritually, but holistically, body, mind, relationally. God gives us this example of his breath giving us life to begin with, but then consistently reinvigorating, reinvigorating us with life as this cycle plays out for the rest of our lives. And we see this, this example of these cycles of life and death, most specifically in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus lived on this earth as a human, but was fully God. He lived a life that was a full example of God and his character. He came so that we could also see that life and know how to be invited into it. And then he died a human death, a death on a cross, so that he could conquer all death, not just physical death, but he could conquer death that is sin, which means our separation from God, the things that move us from alignment with God. And in Jesus' death on the cross, conquering sin, but then his raising to new life, his resurrection, we see the cycle that we are then invited to, death to life. And when we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, we too then die to an old life that was not in alignment with God and raise up to new life, which is resurrected with him. And that's the, the sign of baptism that we practice here. When we go into the water, we say goodbye to an old life that is not aligned with God, and we come up out of the water in, in alignment with God's new life that he gives us. Not once and for all, not that baptism does that work, but as a sign of God continually doing that work for the rest of our lives. When we decide to follow Jesus, we actually agree to enter into the lifelong cycle of death and resurrection in our own lives. Daily putting to death the things within us that do not align with God and making way for him to raise to new life things within us that do. And in so doing, experiencing renewal, fresh life and fresh strength. There's a couple images that I have been really drawn to in this concept lately. Um, there's an artist named Scott the Painter that I really love. 
and um, he has these beautiful images of resurrection. Um, he has several of them, but um, it's basically like a coffin or a grave that has things growing out of it. Um, there's one, yeah, with a tree. Um, there's another one with some flowers. And it's this like beautiful visual picture of the fact that sometimes for new life to come and renewal to come, something has to die. Not that death is in this way negative or in this way that it's like it's defeatist, but actually that when we release ourselves to the death of something and embrace the new life that God wants to give, that something beautiful comes from that. Sometimes for God to renew us, something has to come to an end. We may simply want renewal to be going back to something exactly how it is, but time and time again in Scripture, we see that that's just not the way that God renews things. We need to place ourselves before God, being willing to have him touch on the tender places of our hearts and lives that we may not yet want to surrender and ask him to breathe his life into us. So why is renewal worth pursuing? Why is, it, why is this a, something that we should be attentive to in our life? Well, our camp theme verse this summer is Colossians 3.10. And I feel like it summarizes that just so well. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The idea that we've been created by a loving God with a purpose and that he gives us the ability to know him, to learn to know him. And as we know him, we see the goodness of his hope, his healing, his reconciliation, his resurrection, and we want to become like him. We want to embody those things. And as we do that, that we put on our new nature or our new um, life, then we experience renewal, that deep satisfaction of the longings of our soul. So as we conclude, I want to encourage you with three things. First of all, renewal is trusting the promise that God is the source of all life. It's not an action of ourselves and our own will, but it's something that we actually put trust in God for, that we can experience life that is truly life through Jesus, and that he has a holistic provision of life, not just spiritual, but emotional, relational, and physical. And that though we can do all the things that are recommended to us to rest and recover and renew, that we, if we don't center Jesus in the middle of that, then we will not experience life and life to the full. Second, renewal is God's consistent invitation into resurrection life, into the cycle of death and resurrection. So we also must be active then in God's renewal and resurrection within us. We must Believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit also gives us life and energy to align with God and his will. We must posture ourselves in a place to receive it and be led by it and then to respond to it. We can both grieve what is lost in death and look forward to and hope for what is coming in new life in this cycle. But we must put ourselves in a place where we're looking for signs of the life that Jesus is offering and follow them. And last, renewal within us prompts us to join the renewal around us. God's renewal is not just often offered to us as individuals, but actually as communities. God doesn't just want to bring to life things personally, but also around us. That we can be active agents of renewal in the people that we know, the groups we're a part of, the systems we participate, the structures we uphold. That we can actually look for the way that there are cycles of death and resurrection around us and participate in that. How do we see God breathing life and bringing back together that which is broken in the world around us? 
and how can we respond? As the worship team comes up and we move towards worship, I'm just going to offer you a few questions of reflection. Feel free, if you would like to, to close your eyes as I read these, if that's a helpful way to kind of embrace these questions. They're also in the sermon discussion notes if you want to go back and look at them later. Where is a place that you are longing for God's renewal in your life? Is there a place that you're sensing that there's burnout, loss of hope, frustration, or just being trapped in a cycle of stuckness? Where is a place that you're longing for God's renewal in your life? How do you need to interact with God about where you are in that process of renewal, and how can others be a part of that? Do you need to be more honest with God? Do you need to allow others to carry this with you? Is there an action that can shift the position that you're in? Is there sin that continues to hold you in place? Is there a story you're telling yourself that prevents you from engaging in renewal? And then last, how can you respond to God's renewal in your life? What would it look like if you believed that God breathed new life into you? and you lived out of that new life. Jesus, thank you so much for the promise of death and resurrection. Thank you, God, that where there is darkness, you bring light. Where there is death, you bring light, life. And God, I I thank you that where there is despair, you bring hope. And God, I pray that as um, as we worship together this morning, Lord, I pray that if there are areas of our hearts, our minds, or our lives where we are just feeling so desperately tired and burnt out, God, would you teach us how to know where you're at work in that and to respond to that? Lord, if there is a shift that needs to be made, if we need to speak something out or tell it to someone else, or God, if there's something within us that needs to be realigned with with you, Lord, would you so gently just invite us into making that shift and change so that we can experience the contrast that David experienced in Psalm 30. The idea that, God, you change things from death to life. God, I pray that you would help us know how to be active participants in that. God, that we would lay down or surrender anything that we're holding onto that is not bringing your life into us, and then we'd open our hands to receive the things that are of you, even if those things are different or scary or unknown, and that we would trust you and follow you into those things that we would believe that you are the God that breathes new life, not, even, not just into us as individuals, but to us as a community, as a church, as a universal body of believers. Yeah, Lord, would you grow our trust in you as the giver and the source of all life. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.